Hey. Hey, you. Yeah, don't look behind you. Yeah, I'm talking to you. Have you ever been frustrated trying to buy tickets online? Most sites make it complicated, and they try to sneak huge fees in at checkout. That's why you need to try SeatGeek. They've made it easier than ever to buy and sell sports and concert tickets. Now, I'm going up to Dallas next month, meaning July, to try to check out some Rangers games. And you'd better believe I'm going to use SeatGeek. I used it for my trip in Detroit I told you guys about. Um, I've been recommending it to people left and right all across the country, to be honest. A couple friends in different spots been recommending it. My buddy is in New York, and he's going up to visit his family a little bit for the summer. And he and his dad are already mapping out where they, what they're going to go see uh, in terms of Mets games with SeatGeek. Honestly, it's the only place I use now. I used to use other places, I'll freely admit. The one that frequently gets mentioned here, StubHub. Stopped using it. It's not It's not necessary at this point because uh, SeatGeek's taken all the work and hassle out of shopping for tickets. SeatGeek pulls all the tickets available on other sites into one place so you save time and never miss a deal. You can even set alerts for upcoming games and SeatGeek will let you know if the price falls. Even better, every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value so you can immediately find underpriced seats. And before you buy, you can use SeatGeek's detailed maps to see the view from your seat. Now, I remember when MLB.com first got this for their stadiums, and it was awesome. But I would, you know, be on the StubHub app or something, and then I'd have I buy the ticket or look at a section, then I go to the MLB site and have to kind of, you know, use their stadium view. Now it's all it's all in one with SeatGeek, and the grading is just color coding. So if you know a stoplight, green means go, red means halt. So if you see a red one in the section you want, maybe relax and try to find a green one because those are going to be the better price tickets uh, for their value. Best of all, SeatGeek is always honest and upfront about the price. Unlike StubHub, SeatGeek shows you the full ticket price from start to finish and never surprises you at the end with huge fees. Now, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. To get that $20 rebate, all you have to do is download the free SeatGeek app, go to Settings, and click Add Promo Code. Enter the promo code SLEEPER, S-L-E-E-P-E-R. SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. It's really easy. Download the free SeatGeek app and enter promo code SLEEPER today. of the sleeper and the bust it is friday june 24th i'm your host paul spore joined by eno saris eno how you doing i'm doing great uh other than the fact that i am now 37 years old happy birthday my phone alerted me early morning i was going to text you i didn't know if you i don't know how, you never know everyone's situation with how they keep the phone at night when someone has kids <laughs> yeah. i don't like to you know why do you wake me up on my birthday exactly i like to be mindful your wife, who the hell's texting you at twelve thirty at night, huh? You know, I don't want to. I don't want to be causing any any commotion. So I figured I'd wait for it on the podcast. Happy birthday to you, and you know, nothing like on your birthday to kind of get that feel old because you're currently nursing an injury that, uh, that, that you're hoping will kind of fix itself. You hurt your finger playing hoops, and uh, we're a couple days in. And you're you're nervous it could be broken, but not certain. So what'd you say? One more day before you you, you make moves on it? Well, you know, I, I had a, a broken thumb that I did this to in college. I remember 
and uh, I was I was thinking, oh, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. Then I was having dinner with my dad, and I couldn't pick up the fork on the right side, and it was like yellow and green. And my dad was like, uh, I think you got to go check that out. <laughs> uh, maybe you should get that fixed. So this one, I don't see any yellow and green, and like it works. It's just uh, really fat, so I'm, I'm hoping it's just a sprained finger, but. I think it's not it's not in good shape. I think you need to get it splinted, but as I told you off air. Yeah, but then I can't type, you know. Yeah, no, like listen. It's a right index finger. Really easy for me to say, because I, <laughs> I I can give people the advice. If the same thing was happening to me, I'd be right where you are, kind of waiting. No, it'll fix itself. It's good. It's all right. It's fine. No big deal. Uh, I'll look at it. <laughs> but yeah, we'll, you know, we'll see how the weekend goes. At at some point though. If it keeps bothering you, you're going to have to do something yeah. about it. You know? I hope you feel better, though. Happy birthday. I hope you have a great birthday. Got a big show lined up. Got a few bits of news to talk about. Then we're going to do our normal thing, talking about a good handful of players. Some really intriguing guys here. A couple on the downside, a couple on the upswing, including a guy that you've liked in the past. Uh, I actually have two, but but I know this is a guy you're really familiar with. You talk to him. He's one of your favorites on the field uh, when, you, when you're able you to interview him. It's not like a, you know, giving him a proctology exam or something. Well, you did, but that you said we wanted to talk about that on the air. <laughs> that didn't show up in the piece. Yeah, that did, you didn't even bring that up in the in the in the interview or in, in the piece that you wrote. But yeah, Trevor Bauer, we'll 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 spoil it there. That, it's gonna be Trevor Bauer. Definitely want to hear your thoughts on him. I've I've you know I I used this analogy the other day. I've stepped on that rake before. I used it in, in reference to Matt Moore. I gotta I gotta go to the well again because I I've done the thing with Trevor Bauer picking him up after a few good starts so we'll dive deep in on him a few other guys as well but first let's talk a little bit of news a little minor trade pushed across the wire today Oswaldo Arcia headed from the twins to the Tampa Bay Rays for a player to be named or cash um, you know there's been speculation that he could be traded for a while because he was out of options coming into this year and so they had to do something they do have players that they can play out there He's been up and down. He had he had a couple good weeks. By and large, it's been bad though. You know, we haven't really seen him do much since his 2013-2014 seasons, where he showed some good power and played as kind of an above-average or at least average player. Since then, last year only played 19 games in the majors. I, I know he was in the minors for some. I don't know if there were injuries there as well. But either way, he added up 2015 through this year. He's got a 680 OPS and 179 plate appearances. Small sample, but definitely not good work. He's still just 25 years old. The Rays have been ravaged by outfield injuries. Uh, you know, we kind of highlighted that when we talked about the league-wide outfield injuries. Anything to see here with Oswaldo Arcia? Is this an AL-only speculation, uh, if at all? Well, you know, this is the king of platoons here. The the Rays, the A's. You know, they're the, they're the guys that'll put the guys in the best position to succeed. And you know, over his career. Arcia has a 8% walk rate, uh, which is almost double his walk rate against lefties uh, when he's when he's facing righties. He's 15% better than league average uh, against righties. You know, got a 226 ISO, double his ISO against lefties. So I think they're like never gonna let him see a lefty. They've got a couple guys like that though too, huh? They got Corey Dickerson, and like you said, they are very open to platoons. They can maximize what Oswaldo Arcia is able to do. He's got punch, like you said, 785 career. You know, 662 plate appearances against righties for his career. That's you know probably a little bit over a full season for a guy like him. But 34 homers and 90 ribbies. If you just kind of see it as a season, 
that's pretty good. And and so he'll be limited to work against righties, but Oswaldo Garcia might have some punch in his bat for you. Yeah, and I think it, it's sort of a death knell for Jeff Decker, who, you know, at some point in his career, Decker traded, you know, his high strikeout rate and high power ways for a low strikeout rate and low power. And I think that has been a bad decision for him. Um, and he is looking really terrible. I mean, it's not great. No. Yeah. Even the projections are like, yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, I think that's bad because Decker's a lefty. At least Geyer, Brandon Geyer, when he comes back, is a righty. And you could actually see a, like a really decent platoon there. I mean, Geyer's been almost league average against um, against righties this year, but he's he's a lefty smasher. So if you if you put Geyer and Arcia at the same position, you could probably expect you know fifteen to twenty percent better than league average uh, offense from that position. So you know you compare that uh, you co- you combine that with a healthy Kiermaier with that awesome uh, that awesome defense, and then you you know let uh, right field be some sort of um, Sousa Jr. Corey Dickerson um, parade. Yeah, that could actually work. You know, um, Steven Sousa is obviously on the disabled list right now, but and so is Kiermaier. But when they get back, they've got some pieces that actually so is Geyer. Jeez, I didn't even realize they had yeah, they had to do something. Right, it's a match unit. I think. Yeah, I think some part of it. I mean, the the weird thing is they're not really in it this year. Yeah, so, but you know. You know, when we remember when the Astros were bad and we joked that they gave everybody 150 plate appearances, mm-hmm. I think, you know, the Rays are kind of like, well, what do you do with a lost season? You get guys like Oswaldo Arcia and you give 150, yeah, you give him 150 plate appearances and you see if he's going to platoon with Brandon Geyer next year. A- absolutely. And that's, and that's a great call. And that's why this is a solid trade, even if it doesn't work out. Because, again, yeah, player to be named or some cash, whatever. But essentially free, and maybe it clicks. And maybe he's the perfect platoon partner for Brandon Geyer. And like you said, 15 to 20% above average in left field would be pretty nice. Yeah, and like it does make you wonder about Jennings, but Jennings hasn't really – looked that healthy and uh, has really taken a turn. It's, he was almost like Crawford, except that the the, uh, the the downturn came with the Rays instead of, you know, with the Red Sox. <laughs> instead of dumping, dumping that off on somebody else. Remember how yeah. good Desmond Jennings was supposed to be and we were you know waiting for him to get called up and it was kind of a delayed call up before he really finally got to be in the majors? And he's just been so bland since. If you if you use that 2012 season, that was kind of his first foolish season, 563 plate appearances. He's got a 97 OPS plus in 2006 plate appearances, and it's just been. Yeah. Well, been you so know, bland. when he was going well, the defense made him a decent player. Sure. Defense and the base running. It's just you know the knees I think are gone. Absolutely. Uh, in, injuries have certainly um, accelerated the decline of Desmond Jennings. You know just. It's unfortunate, though. I really liked his his uh, skills profile. Thought there was going to be a lot there, and it and it just hasn't come to fruition. So, but if you but if you're like sort of thinking about the future with these Rays, if you're in a dynasty league or whatever, you know, I think Logan Forsythe is in his in his spot, you know, for next year. Uh, Morrison and Pierce have first and DH sort of locked down. Uh, although I'm interested now to see what their contract situations are, which I'm pulling up right now. Um, 
Because I think Morrison might be running out of uh, team control. It's got to be, right? I mean, he's been around forever, but obviously not always accumulating point. Um, well, they're, I mean, they're also okay with like finding, you know, like I think maybe just Pierce like moves over and, well, Pierce is a free agent. So is Morrison. Morrison's a free agent. Ouch. So maybe they're looking at Arcia as, you know, a first baseman or a DH. That could be interesting. They need some help next year. This is weird. A lot of free agents, actually. Uh, Pierce, Morrison. What if uh, perhaps Tampa Bay will be restructuring, retooling, if you will, like the Tigers did, in a lost season, and maybe this is the first of a handful of smaller deals, right? Yeah, Where, you know, like if they can, if Jennings can show anything in the next month, you know, you know, the the there's another team, another year of control. So somebody mm-hmm. could say, well, he's a good fourth outfielder. You know, and I, I need some outfield depth and my guy's hurt or whatever. So, you know, there could be a team that that takes him to the short term. He's only three million. So, you know, whatever they take on is probably less than less than a million. Plus, he probably won't make a lot in arbitration next year after a bad year like this. So, um, you know, somebody could take a, a flyer on Jennings. Then you kind of you have this Arcia, um, Arcia, Geyer, Souza, uh Dickerson, Dickerson, you know, combo for the outfield, and you just sort of move on from Jennings because I doubt that they want to go into next year like depending on Jennings for a position, and then Dickerson could play first base if all those guys hit, you know, and Kiermaier, yeah, I forgot about Kiermaier. So if all those guys hit, then maybe Dickerson plays first, and they go out and get a super cheap DH, you know, even resign Logan Morrison to be their DH for you know not not very much, so. Um, you know, I, I think Dick, I think there's actually a, a situation here where Arcia has a chance. Yeah. You know? uh, so where where are you picking him up then? Just AL only, or is there any depth of a mixed league where where you consider Arcia well, here? Be, it has to be daily. It has to be a daily league. Um, because so you can you do the platoon. So da- daily right. daily moves. You also reduce your risk that you don't put him in for a week, and then the Rays don't play him at all, and then. You're kind of like, oh, I just lost a week. So, um, and then on top of that, uh, how do I feel? Do I want him to be in an OBP league? It's kind of one of those things where he strikes out a ton. So, do you want him to be in OBP league because the average will be bad, mm-hmm. or uh, you know, his projected OBPs are 298 and 304. So it's not like that's going to be any good. I think I would go for a batting average league, um, like 18 plus, probably only AL only. Um, where he might have already been owned, so it's a little bit tough. Um, maybe an 18 team or put him on my bench, but uh, and uh, you know some uh, well, DFS a little bit hard too because he's not like amazing right now and he's going to a bad home park from a bad home park. Exactly. So, so uh, I mean, probably yeah, a bit of a wait and see situation. You know, you're not yeah. diving head first like I got to get all my Oswald. I need to get that 40% K right. I get that right now. <laughs> I'm playing a DFS league that counts batter strikeouts as a as a plus, and then and then you can roster him. A um, couple things on on the trade and, and uh, free agent fronts here. Boston, the rumor out that they've inquired about Julio Tehran and Rodas Vizcaino. I imagine that it could be some sort of package deal, right? Because they've got enough to to really make moves there. You know, I've been saying it for a while. Boston Cubs probably the Rangers too. Those are the teams that can really do whatever the heck they want. They have the, the, the players 
both major league ready and in the minors that they can do whatever they want. Jim Bowden from ESPN and Sirius XM is reporting this with regards to Tehran Vizcaino. Do you see this kind of deal for the for the Red Sox? How, how much would you would you like this for them if they went and got the big big piece in the bullpen to go behind Kimbrel and a, a legitimate starter to really go behind? Now you're talking uh, Price, Tehran, Porcello, or Wright, Porcello, however you want to put it. That, yeah. that, that's a that's a quartet that can get you through to the finish line pretty easily. And they, you know, they've needed some help in the bullpen, and and the back end of that rotation is not so good. So pushing pushing guys down the ladder is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I think it would be a really good trade. Right now, John Coppolello, the GM for the Atlanta Braves, is doing a Twitter Q and A, and he's hilarious. I love Coppy. He's great, he's right? So, yeah, he just said, "Well, I don't see, we're, I don't think we're going to trade Julio." And then somebody asked him, "What do you think of Will Myers?" And he said, I've called A.J. Preller about him multiple times, which uh, I think that's not really uh, allowed. <laughs> like to, you're not to say that? Other players on other teams. <laughs> I wonder if he's going to get in trouble for that. I hope not because I love it. And I love honesty. It's great. Yeah, the honesty is the uh, best part. Yeah, I mean, they need they need offense. Uh, you know, I don't know what um, what they, they – you know what? They, they probably are getting – a lot of the the guys that the Braves got are close to the big leagues, mm-hmm. so and they're probably closer to competing than the than the Padres. Well, that, so they could probably do something where they trade some some of their young, younger minor. stuff. Yeah, yeah. Well, that, and they've yeah. said that about Tehran that that they don't want some teenager, even if he's a great prospect. They want guys that are close or already. So it's probably not like uh, I mean, as much as Keith Law loves Devers. Uh, he's 19 and an A ball. See, I think it'd be more of like a Benintendi sort of deal. That would be the centerpiece yeah. there because he's they knocking do. on the door right away. Yeah, even Moncada's still pretty young. Let he's still young. But he was, he was up. I, I could see him being kind of where where Coppola would, would he would think about it at that point, right? Because he's in Double A yeah. now. He's the same right. as as Benintendi at that point, except he's not a college player. If he's 21 at Double A, that's really still knocking yeah. on the door. What about? Moncada could really go in so many different directions. I, I that's a really interesting stat line there. Tons of walks, a decent amount of strikeouts. Projected right now, as a uh, 21-year-old that just hit Double A for the first time, uh, projected by Steamer to have a 3.15 on base percentage, but only a 3.60 slugging, with a 7% walk rate and 28% strikeout rate. That really could go in any direction. I mean, you really want to watch that strikeout rate. If he can keep it around twenty, then he can he can be better than that projection. Yeah, he can be special the, right the away. Power is up and down, I think, with him. Uh, the speed is definitely there, but the power is up and down. He could turn out to be much more conventional than people thought, you know, kind of speedy infielder type. Uh, but then there's the fact that he's pretty like big looking. So six two two oh five. Yeah, he's not he's not like a he's not like a, a mini Paul Sporer out there. No, he's not 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 skinny. Not not <laughs> not, a rail, not a rail out there. So there's just a lot of ways they could go. You think there's any way, you know, if you get if you're getting two impact pieces like that, would they move like a Bradley? I don't think they're moving a Betts or a Bogarts at all. But no, I think they want to keep their major league stuff. I think I think so too league. because they've got ben so much Tendi, minor league depth. I think there might be like a question where it's like you have a choice: Benintendi or Mankata, mm-hmm. Um and. You know, given that their outfield situation is okay right now, I think they'd probably start like with Benintendi. Um, also, because infielders are harder to find, 
and Moncada could always go to the outfield, probably. So. Uh, yeah, I feel like I feel like he definitely could. So I, I'm with you. I think Benintendi is a, is kind of that piece that they dangle out where they can really start to get things done on on any level. When you're talking about the yeah. Braves and and for the Braves Benintendi. standpoint, they they, yeah, they could Benintendi like plus like Brian Johnson mm-hmm. or or uh, you know one arm Espinosa. Like that would be what what the uh, Braves want is is the best stuff. Well, but then maybe they have to settle for. Yeah, it'd be one of those where, hey, let's get let's get Benintendi and and Anderson Espinosa, and they you say you guys choose you guys choose the arm. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're gonna get a list. If you want Benintendi, yeah. great. Now here's your you list second, of other stuff. List. Yeah, and it's not gonna have Anderson Espinosa, Raphael Devers, Moncada on it. But they're gonna get you know if they give both of those players Tehran because Tehran's got years too, Tehran and Vizcaino, yeah, they're gonna get one of those high impact prospects for sure that's going to be the centerpiece and then some nice solid pieces you know like a brian johnson that's not moving the needle too much fantasy wise but a 24 year old lefty who i think is at least a major league reliever that's a nice second piece playing in the national league and will give it get a chance to start maybe soon because they're you know they'll throw any arm in that rotation right now i'm starting on sunday yeah all right so uh I, I think uh, and I think Benintendi might come up pretty soon because I think they'll you know I think they want to build towards being a little bit better next year when they're in the new in the new park, um, and so they want to call up I think they'll call up Albies this year maybe it's only September, but Albies is in AAA and kind of got be- got better. Um, now Copy has just admitted that the Wood Peraza Oliveira trade was a bad idea. Well. He's not wrong. By the Jeez. way, did you see the one? And I thought this is the one that you were going to mention when you brought this up. When somebody asked him, if I could find a way for the Angels to give you Trout, can I have a job? And he just put, yes. Uh, right. If I convince the Angels to get give us Trout, can I have a job? So yes. I just wrote about Julio Tehran and just because I knew he would be the big name that everyone would be talking about. So I thought... Why not get a piece out there that just basically looks at what he will do going forward? And the big thing for for Julio Teron is that he's a pop-up guy. Five Cy Youngs, right? Yeah, okay. definitely. But And he's not a pop-up guy like Chris Young, who's like number one. He's a top 20 pop-up guy. So, you know, it's not uh, somebody you uh it's not Chris Young. It's not somebody who's going to totally demolish his FIPs every year with his ERA. But he is going to probably always have an ERA that's better than FIP because even though we put we put pop ups in 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 wins above replacement, we don't put pop ups in FIP. So um, you know, Steamer already says he's going to beat his his uh, FIP, but he's beaten his FIP by more than Steamer projects. So uh, if Tehran keeps up his FIP beating pace based on his pop ups. You would actually project him for more like a 3.5 ERA, um, and he's now projected for like a 3.7. So uh, that might be his true talent right now is like a 3.5 ERA um, with like a, a 1.2 whip, 1.115, something like that. Um, so that's that's his true talent in the NL. Uh, and it's related on the fact that he, he gets the pop-ups, he also gives up the homers. Now, when he goes to Boston, how many homers is he going to give up? That's concerning, right? Because he's at one two. Tehran is since the start of 2015, 1.2 homers per nine. That's too high, and that. that and then there's there's this piece that MGL uh, Mitchell Lickman like is sure 
that uh, that homer prone pitchers are not more likely to give up more homers in in uh, homer happy parks. So that's something that really boggles my mind, and I'm I I need to look into this some more. I asked Tango about it, but he didn't give me an answer. But I think maybe what he's saying is that he, they're more likely to give up homers because everybody's more likely to give up homers, but they're not more li- more likely than other players to give up homers. So they still, you know I mean? still give homers up at a clip that's commensurate with that, but not so many more than everybody else. Right, yeah. Okay. So I think that might be – that's the only way I can explain it in my head because how did the park become a homer-happy park if pitchers didn't give up more homers in it? Right. <laughs> right. So that's the part I don't get. Uh, I'll do some more reading on that. We'll come back to that. But in any case, I would expect uh, Tehran to give up more homers in Boston and be like a – if you if you believe that three five instead of the three six three seven sort of projection, if you think he's three five now in terms of ERA, I think um, I think the projections will say he's like a three eight five three nine four guy in Boston, um, and uh, so then if you believe that three five number, you could believe that he's maybe a three seven five guy in Boston. Okay, and that'll you know, work. Still comes with decent strikeouts. Yeah, that plays. You know, I think he's a real life number two. Which is one is like sort of a rare thing. Yeah, I, I, I and, love Julio Tehran, and I think if fantasy he'd go from being a sort of two three right now uh, to being uh, more like a three ish because he, it's going to hurt him to go to Boston. DH uh, Harder Park, he he has some struggles with lefties, um, and uh, you know that you know that park is actually not terrible for lefty. It's not really awesome for lefty batters. Exactly. So. Might actually, and that's the that biggest weird, flaw. That weird outfield thing out there, you know, that weird outfield cutout and stuff, and it's kind of deep in left center um, or in right center. So I think, um, I think he, you know, he, he could be okay. And, um, you know, Vizcaino loses most of his value, just becomes like a strikeout. Well, yeah, because you're not, you're not bumping off Kimbrel. We, we like Tehran a little bit, even, even coming to the AL, but Vizcaino. Like you said, holds leagues would be about it where he, where he maintained any sort of value. It would sap his. He only has nine saves anyway, though. So like, he's not really changing your 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 fate as it is. Yeah, it's funny because I was in talks. I was thinking I needed some saves in the in a uh, Dan Rosenhex twenty team league where you can rent guys and. How's blah, that blah, going, blah. by the way? Uh, I'm floating around sixth and seventh. Uh, just traded. Uh, Billy Hamilton for Junior Guerra. I think we talked about that last That's time. Right. That's right. Um, so, but I and I have I have uh, Iglesias and Kelly uh, alongside uh, Osuna and most of the um, handcuffs for Roberto Osuna. So, you know, right now I've got two closers, kind of, and um, I'm sort of hoping that Iglesias becomes a, the closer there. I mean, it's Singrani's a lefty and not very good. And, uh, you know, while he's there, they might as well, you know, see if he can be their closer. So um, I'm hoping that I get I have three closers out of that situation. And so somebody was offering me a Rodas Vizcaino plus Brian Dozier, who we can talk, talk about a little Talk about him in a, in a little bit here. Um, for my Daniel Murphy. And, uh, you know, I was like, well, you know, saves, that's fine. Then I wake up this morning, see that news, and I'm like, mm, this is why on that deal. This is why I never like to trade for closers. It's Especially so, around this time of year. It's scary. Yeah, not only injury, but trades. And so I, I don't know if I want to do that. I, so I'm now looking at, like, who might be next. And I think it's probably Cervenka. Hunter Cervenka? Uh, 
Hunter Cerveka. You know anything about him that you can tell us? I mean, he's got 21 major league innings so far. Nothing, nothing crazy. Nothing, nothing much. I know that he's got about the, the same velocity as Jim Johnson. Jim Johnson has a save, uh, and you know, hits the other name. It's either Jim Johnson or Hunter Cervenka. But your your thing, Cervenka has been pitching some eighth inning this month. Yeah, and he has way more strikeouts than Jim Johnson. The other thing I that have more strikeouts than Jim Johnson. Yeah, the thing that works against Cervenka though is that he's a lefty and mad walks. Yeah, well, yeah, and then I guess you know Chris Withrow is a name. Uh, and he's a righty, and he's dark horse. You know, I like him. In the past, has had lots of velocity, and if that comes back, um, that that would be nice. But and the whiff rate is okay. He just hasn't really struck out guys, and he's had his own command issues. Major yeah, injury uh, issues for, for for Withrow have you know he, he'd be a super dark horse for, for that situation. I and think he had, he had an issue with the the outfield door trying to come in one time. So he did. Yeah, that's what's fell down. Um, so, uh, but you know, with with Ian Kroll and Eric uh, Eric O'Flaherty is on the DL. But even with Ian Kroll in there, Hunter Zvenka could close, just be a lefty closer with a lefty behind him and Ian Kroll. So, um, I don't think it's going to be Kroll because he hasn't got a hold yet. He's just not being used. I just, no. I'm sure it'll be Jim Johnson. Let's be honest. Just to just to play out the string. Yep, just to have the veteran. Guy there closing out the year. We got that stability at the back. Yeah, right. He's not stable. He's got a 494 ERA. But uh, yeah, so <laughs> honestly, if Vizcaino leaves, for me, that becomes a situation much like Cincinnati where I don't even care. I just don't care what goes on in Cincinnati's bullpen. I don't want it anywhere near my team. Yeah, because, you know, I did some uh, research on what begets save opportunities. And the things that I found, there's not really super strong relationships. So the things that I found were. Uh, scoring runs, uh, Atlanta does not do that, and uh, rest of bullpen strength, which you know they're not. It's not like a dumpster fire, but it's not. It's not a very good bullpen. Sure, especially if Vizcaino's gone. You know that's the thing. If if he's gone, he's their main piece. They already traded off Grilly as well. So. A bunch of guys who walk a ton of guys, and you know, not not a lot of plus velocity. In fact. You know, Vizcaino, without without Vizcaino, it'll drop to about 93, 94, which will be, you know, average velocity at best for a bullpen. So, yeah, I think uh, those two things don't don't say that there's going to be much more than 20, 24 saves for the Braves, like, at all. And um, that means you're, you're rostering Jim Johnson uh, to get you, like, 10 more saves at the cost of, you know, the rest of it. So, all right. Anyway. Let's move on to the next bit here. Um, the... Mets are mulling over the idea of bringing in Jose Reyes. That you know they're going through some some issues right now with with health and and the offense is absolutely anemic. Reyes obviously going through his own issues, has the domestic violence. Uh, I I get. I mean, is the, is the book closed on it because there wasn't charges pressed on it? I mean, you know, obviously it's still a PR nightmare too because he, he's a garbage bag, right? You know, you just you can't you can't do that. So they got to wait. That's what they're weighing, right? If it was just a talent thing, even if he wasn't playing at his peak, they could bring him in, hopefully try to rejuvenate him. But you still have the fact that you're dealing with a guy who's off the field issue right now is horrific, and 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 that has to be addressed. But they're looking for something, right? And and we've seen right or wrong, probably wrong in the past that a lot of times these these off the field situations can be trumped by on the field needs, and they have substantial needs on the field. Do you think Jose Reyes to the Mets 
is a is a worthwhile move for them? Is is the risk worth it? Yeah, I think so. I I mean I, I don't. I it's really complicated because it, beyond just you know what you're saying to other um, people who might uh, you know engage in domestic violence by giving him another chance. There is the, the sort of internal family politics of what might be going on there, mm-hmm. and, and you know who who he's going to blame if he never gets another chance, and what sort of relationship he's going to have with his wife going forward. You can look in the um, mirror if he doesn't get another chance, right? And yeah, uh, but would he? I don't think he would. No, I mean most people. I think wouldn't. he would look. He would look at his partner and sort of blame her. So um, you know, a lot of this. Uh, and the, the, but that's not man. I know that's not really our, on us to sort of negotiate. Maybe the best thing to do is to punish people, show people that this isn't really tolerated, and then I guess give I don't know, give them a second chance. I don't know. It's like the whole thing about when a con comes out of jail. Are we going to continue punishing them, or we're going to say, okay, he he served his time. Sure, but I guess the know? thing that has people upset about Reyes is. He didn't serve any time. He, he, nothing really came. Right, of it. right, right, right. Well, I mean, he served his baseball time, though. I mean, that's true. He did, did take some. He did take a hit in the pocketbook, a, a, a serious one. Deserved. And you know, he didn't get to play. And now he's you know hat in hand, basically. And the thing I disagree with is that you know Jonah Carey and some other people have said that he's he's a garbage player now. Uh, I don't know about that. He's basically projected to be league average with the bat, and. If he's moving to third, I think he's going to be a positive with the glove. I mean, even when he wasn't so great at shortstop, he was scratch at shortstop. So he's going to be a positive with the glove and uh, able to play shortstop for a team that has his dribble Cabrera, who's not really a positive with the glove himself. So, you know, you have a guy who gives you instantaneous team depth at a, and Neil Walker has been hurt a couple of times, so you got a guy who gives you instantaneous team depth up the middle because he's played short and second, can play third base to a league average bat, which that's almost the best Wilmer Flores is going to give you anyway. And Flores is kind of screwed up with the bat right now, and Flores is not going to give you better than league average defense. So I think Jose Reyes is going to be a better option than Wilmer Flores. Like I just I think that's true. I, 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 I don't think a big Flores backer. And Flores is all screwed up at the plate right now. I certainly don't think you're you're uh, you're wrong there in in terms of just on the field. It, it's probably it's probably worth them taking a look if they want to stay in this right because they're kind of losing their stranglehold on having that second place in the uh, in the NL East behind the Nationals with the Marlins charging fast. We'll see how that goes. So we could see Reyes there. What? Oh. Would you speculate on him in a league where where he's available, in, you know, in an NL only, where you might be able to just get him now, and kind of, if your league allows that, you know, some guys have to be on a team. Some leagues where say you have to be on a team for that to matter, but others say you can just pick up anybody. Would you pick Reyes up now? I think so, man. I, you know, I think he's going to be their starting third baseman, basically. You know, hit two ninety to three hundred. Uh, you know, steal 10 bags and, you know, hit two to four homers. It's like, sure. Okay. Not, it's not really like, you know, 10 team or 12 team, but there's a lot of leagues that can use that. And obviously the Mets need, need help on offense. They may not have the money to sign Gurriel. 
the Cuban who's coming out. Yeah, over. that's the other kind of idea that's been and, floating around. And we are we even sure that Guriel's good? The, the elder Guriel is like, you know, 33 or something. Mm-hmm. Um, so I don't think that that's necessarily a great investment. If, if he's going to cost like $5 million a year or something, he's a complete... I mean, we're starting to see busts now, you know? And, uh, you know, like, Rosnet Castillo was... I thought that would be the tide turning. Yasmani Tomas... Alex so Guerrero. We can, we can transition if we like, but... Uh, let's go ahead and do Yasmani, that. Yeah, let's get, it, let's get into Yasmani some of our players here. As Pumpkin. And, uh, I mean, yeah, you, you... He turned into basically who he was before. And you know what? We we were we were not we were not especially high on Yasmani Tomas. It started to change my tune when I started. I was like, listen, okay, he's performing. I'm open right. to it. I still couldn't pull the trigger to like pick him up anywhere though, or even recommend necessarily running out and getting him. And now, like you yeah, said, he's kind of saying, drifted. Yeah, I kept saying Lamb over him. Yeah, and oh, you nailed that one because Lamb's been amazing. And now Tomas has basically drifted back to what he was last year—a little bit more punch. Um, he's yeah. got ten homers. He's still- He's still hitting the ball hard and more in the air, which is important uh, because it looks like the only carrying tool that he's going to have is is power because the defense is still bad, even with the new position. The the walk to strikeout rate is atrocious, and it's gotten even more atrocious. It's so funny because I thought for a second, oh, he took some walks. He had a walk to strikeout ratio in March of 0.4, right? In May, it was 0.3. In June, it was 0.08. <laughs> he walked 3% of the time. He struck out 38% of the time. He, he was tricking us for a little while. I was like, no, no, look at it. I got this new. Oh, wait, never mind. Psych. Yeah. He still managed. I mean, he still had like a 246 ISO in June so far. So he's managed to, you know, be only 10% worse than league average. And that team, you know, for what it's worth, is probably not super into weighted runs created plus. Wait, what do you mean? <laughs> and, uh, I mean, I just just reading the tea leaves. So they're probably going to leave him in there at the end of the year. Say, hey, he hit 260 with 20 homers. Uh, we don't have a problem with that, and run him back out there again uh, when he really should sort of be, you know, a DH probably. So anyway, uh, you know, I would I would say that he's on the bus side. I think Resnick Castillo is a definite bus. Alex Guerrero is a definite bus. There was a guy named. Arabuena. Arabuena. I'm sure I nailed that one. Crushed it. Uh, we know who he is, so we'll just go with that. <laughs> that guy. Uh, that those are those are like pretty much the last high-profile guys that reached the major leagues. Um, and even the other one that they signed in Arizona, Juan Juan Lopez. I didn't, I'm not, that one. I never even heard of. I'm not, uh, well, I mean, I could be getting messed up because it, it's like Yoan Lopez. But... Oh, Yoan Lopez. Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember Juan? him. Or is it Juan? I mean, it's Y-O-A-N. I think it's pronounced Yoan Lopez. Didn't he hit like Goldie or something in, in, in like a spring game or like a scrimmage of some sort? I thought, I thought he hit one of the best players on the team. He right now in AA has a five strikeouts per nine and four walks per nine. It's actually worse than that. It's 4.6. It's 31 yeah. to 29 that strikeouts yeah. to walks in 56 in the third innings for Yohan Lopez. I don't think that one's working out. That. Now, are we seeing more busts just because the volume's higher and it, it's just bound to happen? You know, we, we picked clean the very best, the ones that were not obvious because you never really know, but the ones that definitely had a higher 
potential to at least be something viable at the majors. And now, since it has become so commonplace, we're just going to see more busts because of the volume. Uh, that's part of it. Yeah. I mean, like it's a small island and how many people are there? I don't know. It's probably on Wikipedia though. <laughs> oh, you weren't being literal. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's like, uh, it wasn't gonna turn out, you know, to, like it's not an endless like, stream. Look at the Dominican Republic. There are a lot of players that are great from the Dominican Republic. Yes. But there are a lot of guys we've never heard of. You know, there's a lot of guys who got drafted and got signed and went through and just never really made it. Um, and Cuba was like, it seemed like for a while everyone was hitting. And so everyone got to the table and, and, you know, said, you know, I'm going to hit on 16. I'm going to hit on 17. Here we go. Come on. And, uh, then they realized that it wasn't that great of a deal now with the, and it's going to be even worse for Cubans now because of the, the, the new relationship politically between our two countries, they're now going to come over and get the smaller deals that the Dominicans got. And, uh, and just be fed into feeder places and, you know, basically just be the same as everybody else. And so we're only here about the really good ones once they sort of establish that they're really good on some level. So, um, I think that we, we've, we're on the other side actually. And I think Guriel is probably going to have a hard time. His, his younger, is it his son or his brother, his younger brother? brother. Lords and, Lourdes. and, and, um, Ulyaski. Lords is going to, yeah, yeah. Yulieski is going to, I think, uh, going to either be overpaid or only get, you know, two to four million or something. Um, but the younger one, he's pretty young. So, you know, that they can dream on him and uh, and hopefully get him pre-peak and all that stuff. So that he'll cost more money. I don't think he's necessarily ready necessarily either. So, you know, it's uh, it all depends on cost. But I think that we're seeing more busts. And um, who, who knows? I, I have a guy named... Um, what is his name? Oh, I kind of want to look it up. Now I've forgotten. Jorge Ona. Jorge Ona. Oh, yeah, yeah. A... I've seen that name. I don't know anything about him, though. I can't I can't even I've pretend. Got, he's a second baseman, supposedly, uh, you know, like another Moncada. And uh, I don't even know what country he's in right now. I don't even know if he's eligible to be signed. And uh, I'm going to have to decide at the end of this year whether or not I protect him in my top 28. And that's going to be such a hard decision because... You know, people are like breathless. Oh my God, it's another Moncada. And it's like, okay. Well, Moncada hasn't done anything yet either. So it's like, sure. <laughs> who knows what that even means. As of February 12th, the, the wonderful Ben Battler from Baseball America, who crushes it on this international stuff, had an article where the, where the Padres of all teams were a favorite to sign him. But nothing's moved on, on it I love that, then. man. It's nobody holding him back. <laughs> the door would be wide just, open. Just blow right on the major league team. The other one that uh, that, that it, for those wondering, you know, this, I said top two players um, was Adrian Mor Morejon. I don't know, guys. I'm sorry. I don't. I don't know these players. <laughs> Whatever happened to Lazarito? Do you remember that guy, Lazaro Armenteros? Yeah. Uh, he signed, right? Wait, I don't. Yeah, probably, but I don't know where. Oh man, we we ventured a field, man. Let's let's bring it back in. I know. Let's let's, let's get back over to the to the players who are here. Let's let's do it. Anyway. Let's, we we previewed her. Tomas Pumpkin. I think uh, if you if you want two sixteen twenty homers, you can you can get them. Okay. That's 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 only that's it. I still I, I almost used him in DFS today. Uh, I might have actually used him in DFS today because he's facing a weak lefty in Coors Field. But 
even on DFS, I found that he's a little bit uh, expensive. I was a little bit surprised. Uh, he was up there with like a Chris Davis, who I see as, you know, a 250, 40, you know, 250, 35 type guy. Sure. So uh, I'd rather, you know, Chris Davis is facing Weaver in Anaheim. So it's not it's not apples and apples. But um, uh, at the same time, like if they were in both in good situations and I had a choice between Chris Davis at 4,500 and uh, and Yasmani Tomas at 4,500, I'd take Chris Davis in a second. So. He's, I think he's more likely to be overrated than underrated. All right. Now, I, I, I alluded to him earlier. Let's get some talk about Trevor Bauer. Because he's on fire right now. And, uh, you know, he's, he's, he's killing it. We've seen him go through stretches before. But I tell you what really stands out right now about, about Trevor Bauer, at least if you're just doing a, a quick overview of his numbers, it's the fact that 2.9 walks per nine is a career best. He's never been below three before. And specifically, this this most recent run, once by the way, remember when he didn't make the rotation? Cody Anderson did instead. Like I, I get it, sort of, but, <laughs> but that, that. And he was awesome in spring. That was the thing too, is that he did really well in spring, and I was like, oh dang. Just didn't see it, um, but anyway, he was all right in his first. Uh, let's see, five starts here, nothing crazy, but not bad. But lately, his last six is when he's hit another gear. Trevor Bauer has a 2.22 ERA. 42 strikeouts and 11 walks in 44 and two-thirds innings over these last six starts, uh, including a pair of 10 strikeout games, a complete game against the uh, against the Rays his last time out just two days ago, which was one of those 10 strikeout games, another nine strikeout game. So he can, he can go, he can have those big strikeout games, but sometimes he doesn't need it. He went eight. Uh, eight strong at LA at the Angels, only struck out three because he's you know kind of being more efficient, getting weaker contact, getting the ground. I think it was uh, a lot of ground balls and pop ups, so it's kind of doing both things there. He's got nasty stuff. You've talked to Trevor Bauer a lot, real cerebral guy, always thinking about what he's doing out there. Maybe sometimes too much. What are you noticing, if anything, that that has this run feeling more believable? Uh, he's, he switched his fastball mix and he used to be a high in the zone four seam guy that, um, you know, needed to blow it by guys. And I'm surprised that he switched to, I'm surprised that he switched to a pitch that has more movement and, uh, seems to be commanding it better. And I don't know why, why that is. But he's – it might be something about, you know, glove side versus uh, arm side. Like, you know, guys have command – better command to one side of the plate. And what he's doing against lefties right now is a lot more um, what, what you call a front door breaking ball. Uh, not breaking balls, front door sinkers. So he's throwing – you know, there's a great sequence on the August Fagerstrom piece um, today where he shows he, – he shows him throwing a front door sinker. Then he shows him throwing um, a, uh, I think, I don't know which what the order is, but there's a front door sinker, a four seam up and in, and a, and a curveball uh, in and low. And so basically, if you're the lefty, the front door sinker is probably early in the count. You, you don't swing because it looks like it's going to hit you and it comes over the front of the, it comes over the inside of the plate, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so that's, so you're like, okay, I can't swing at that. Then comes the four seam up and in, and you're not sure if it's the same sinker, right? So, you know, you're not like you either you swing at it 
and it's it's a strike or it changes your eye level. And even if you don't swing at this in this case, the the guy who uh, who did swing at it and just swung under the four seam completely because it didn't have the same sink as the sinker, and he thought maybe it was another front door sinker, right? So uh, then the third one was a curveball in that looks like it's maybe going to be that four seam up and in, and then just drop the bottom drops out, and the guy's just swung over the top of it. I think that sort of combo to a to a lefty is uh, is deadly. You know, that's just going to get people all messed up in the head. You know what I mean? It's just like, you know, which one is it? They all look sort of similar. And then, like, on top of that, the other thing that he's really changed is he's added spin rate to the curveball, um, and so it has more drop. And it's something that we talked about before where, you know, he wasn't sure if more spin was necessarily better for him because he would have more drop. You know, he'd get more drop from the curve, right, with more spin, or does he want it to look more like his other pitches, um, you know, so that it looks so that they kind of have less time to decide what and, it looks like. You know? any, but I think he decided more drop is better. That was my research on curveballs said, you know, more drop is better. So, uh, you know, I think uh, I think he didn't made the right decision. He's got the biggest drop of his career on the curveball. He's using it the most of his of his career and he's using it in tandem with the sinker. Sinker breaking ball is usually a combo and then four seam change is another combo. Um, and um, it's really working so out for power. Yeah, and he made a slight change to his slider. I think you slider cutter. I'm not sure that he necessarily. I think they're they've all been cutters, but um, uh, he's he's throwing a little bit harder well, this year. The classification has actually shifted, at least uh, for, yeah. for our numbers here. It was it was pure slider last year, 21 percent. This year they've only got a 0.4 percent on the slider and then 16 percent on the cutter. So th- it's always crazy with the classification between slider cutter. Um, just know that it's. It's that kind of, of breaking ball uh, at, at a certain velocity. He is adding a lot of speed to it, though. It's at 89 If you know, at the cutter. Last year, the slider was at 84.5 for Trevor Bauer. Yeah, yeah and so the, the, like the new ground ball rate I believe in because more horizontal movement means more ground balls. So um, you know, I think uh, uh, I believe that. 49% ground ball rate, that's going to help him with the homers. So I think that the projections are missing on the homers going forward, especially since he pitches in Cleveland. I know the MGL caveat will hang over every time we ever talk about home runs again. But uh, I think ground balls plus pitching in Cleveland, he's not going to give up a, more than a homer for nine the rest of the season. So that that part's already a good, a good positive for him. He's always struck out, guys. That part's good. The part that I cannot answer right now that I don't even think Trevor could answer right now is what his walk rate will look like the rest of the season. Sure. But even if you if you take even if you gave him his projected walk rate, which says, you know, he's just gonna return to whatever. And that could happen, even though with this change in mix, Bauer admitted to me that by the end of the season you get an extra mile per hour on your on your sinker, all of a sudden it moves differently. All of a sudden you can't command it the same. I remember right? you mentioning that. And you know, that's He's always had some some wicked stuff that's been tough to command, and you know if it's if it's dynamic, that's only going you know in, within the season, that's only going to make it more difficult. So it is nice. But, that's my favorite thing about what we're seeing out of out of Bowers that the walk rate is down. But even if it doesn't stay down, that doesn't mean he can't be successful. I do think he's one of those guys that he's so tough to hit that even when his walks are higher than you'd like, he can get away with it. You know? Yeah, and. 
like so I'll take the I'll take the under or like I'll, I'll take better than his projections because it is also possible that like I said about controlling to one side of the play or the other he now maybe he's by focusing inside on lefties he's focusing on a place he can command better right mm-hmm. um so uh, maybe he's a glove side guy you know I think Granky said he was a glove side guy so uh so he now he's uh he's shifted where he's throwing more pitches let's say let's give him a 3-5 uh, walk rate going forward that's better than his projections but worse than what he's doing now let's give him like uh three quarters of a home run per nine that's between his projections and his homers um i think if you do those things you get like a three seven five guy so i think you know the floor isn't great but we're seeing the ceiling right now and the ceiling's pretty great especially with that strikeout so you know uh i don't and i think the floor is better than his projections say so Take that for what it's worth. I mean, I think that that makes him usable in most leagues, especially if you manage your your matchups with him in mixed leagues. I think he's ownable in all leagues. I think in a 10-team league, that, that floor makes him a little bit risky. But then you can just let him go, you know? Like in 10-team leagues, you kind of cycle guys in anyway. So I would, in a 10-team league, I'd use him at home against weaker offenses, use him in Oakland, those sort of places. Um, and then 12 team leagues, I'd probably keep him on my bench when he's not in those good matchups. And then 15 team leagues, I'd, I'd, he's owned by now, probably. Yeah, absolutely. Especially with the run that Trevor Bauer has been on, he's definitely um, owned in, in a lot of situations. To so take a look, see what's going on. Maybe he's available in your shallower league, but uh, otherwise, probably not. But you're you're very bullish here, and and that has me that has my interest peaked for sure. I want to talk about a rookie guy, uh, rookie pitcher now. Getting a look in Cincinnati, Cody Reed gets a lot of attention as the uh, uh, best prospect there, best pitching prospect there right now. I think he's kind of overtaken Robert Stevenson for that for that crown right now. He's only had the the one major league start. He went seven innings, gave up four, nine strikeouts. Kind of bookended it with with the with the runs, two runs in the first, two runs in the seventh. It's not bad overall when you, when you really kind of look. At a rookie coming up, making his first start in Houston against a, a, a surging team. Can he contribute this year? And if so, to what level for Cody Reed out in Cincinnati? I think he can. He has a wicked slider. It's a really nice slider. And he has really good command of it. He has excellent velocity. He first came on my radar when I was talking to Joey Votto this spring about the pitchers in camp and saying that, you know, I like some of them. I like them too much, obviously. Um, Brandon Finnegan has lost way more velocity than I thought he would. His change is way worse than I thought he would. It would be. Lamb just can't seem to put it all together, um, and that that just leaves Discapani Iglesias is hurt. So I was I was really wrong about that rotation being, uh, you know, getting it together sooner than people thought. However, Cody Reed, I think uh, this is not this is not like an Eno special where he throws eighty nine. And, you know, like John Lamb, it's not a John Lamb situation. This guy throws 93 plus, you know, and uh, has a wicked slider that's really, really nice. And I think the change is going to be enough. Uh, that's the part that we're going to figure out in terms of movement. Um, it has, you know, three, four more inches drop than his four seam. He works with the four seam primarily. That helps him uh, make the change look better. You know, it has decent drop. It's about the same speed as a slider, though. So it's, he's only working in two velocity bands. Um, there, there's some like things that he may do to be better in the future, but it's definitely an arm I like. Uh, I, I don't know where are you picking him up. I, 
it's a little bit risky. I love the swing strike rate. I love that he came up and got whiffs right away. See, I, I like I like to take a chance. I'll be a little bit more, uh, I guess, risky on, on, on guys like this because the upside is so – I completely understand that this could easily blow up in, in our faces with a young guy like Cody Reed. But the swing and miss potential is so high that he can deliver the across-the-board capability, right? The ratios, if they're there, even if they're not, when you get that kind of strikeout potential, if he's giving me a 3.8 – and a 125, I'm okay with it because I, I'll take that high-impact strikeout potential at the back end of my rotation in the middle of the season, which is what you could get with Cody Reed. So I'm pretty interested. I don't think I would necessarily venture in 10-team unless my team was ravaged and I'm kind of streaming him in. But every other league, I think I'm going to take a look at Cody Reed. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a really interesting name to pick up. He's, he's got some pedigree. Um, he, he know, was part of the Johnny Cueto deal though uh, uh, last year. For those of you that aren't necessarily familiar with him, kind of a, a pop up prospect, I believe last year, maybe the year before. I'm trying to let me look at his minor league numbers. Was it last year that he really busted through? Actually, it was, yeah, it was 15 that he really busted through last year. 145 and two thirds innings for Cody Reed, 241 ERA between High A and Double A with Cincy and Kansas City, and about a strikeout per inning. And honestly, I wouldn't even get too hung up on his minor league strikeout numbers. He only has 8.1 over 324 innings. I think this is another case, like so many, where if you get too caught up in what he did in the minors, you're going to lose out on his potential. I think there's potential for much more. Yeah. And Longenhagen likes him. Uh, it said that there was a change in, in his delivery uh, where he sort of changed the way he he. he he stepped towards home plate a little bit more direct towards home plate instead of crossing his body. And, uh, you know, I think that's part of why his strikeout rate jumped up, why he's gotten better against righties. Uh, says, you know, the, the change up, uh, flashes average and, and better. So, and then you look at, you know, nice walk rates, you know, his, his strikeout rate has gone up and down, I think, as he's figuring out his stuff and, you know, being a lefty, uh, you know, you're on the wrong side of the platoon so often, but, um, you know, it's nice to see that he pretty much since high A has never had a walk rate over three. So and then if you look at if you actually look at the the heat map of where he was throwing his slider, it was just like pick, pick, pick all the way to the, just the bottom of the zone. You know, just like never no floaters, no, no hanging sliders. So he can really he can really dot that slider. And that's going to help him even if the change isn't great because he's going to have to face a lot of right. He's going to have to back put that slider. He's going to have to do some stuff with it. But I have the confidence he can do it. So. Steamer, 393, 1-3-0, uh, 8.6 strikeouts per nine. You know, that's the kind of guy that you, you take a chance on, I think. All right. So we are pro Cody Reed on this uh, on this show right now. We'll see we'll see how it works. You know, we've seen some of these rookie pitchers come up. A lot of them have struggled out of the gate. Those that have gotten a longer leash, Sean Maniah, Michael Fulmer, turned it around. Michael Fulmer to a very high degree. Sean Maniah to a little bit before he got hurt. Jose Barrios didn't really get a chance to turn around before he, had to, he got sent back down. I think that the Reds have shown with last year specifically when they gave like, I think 145 of their games were started by rookies last year. It was some, some insane number. They will give a longer leash. So I think Cody Reed could get a nice look here and we'll see what he can do. Let's talk another rookie, but on the offensive side, Stephen Moya for the Detroit Tigers has come up in the absence of, of J.D. Martinez, who obviously got hurt with the broken elbow. And so far, so good, but it's 59 plate appearances. So I really want to tamp down the excitement on Stephen Moya, but he's raking. Uh, nine of his nine of his hits have gone for extra. Nine of his 18 hits have gone for extra bases, including three homers. 
that's that's what we know about him. The power is there. He can really crush it when he does make contact. But he's 6'7", 260. Got a lot of holes in his swing, a lot of swing and miss for Steven Moya. I feel like he's just running hot out of the gate here. I'd be very skeptical of it going forward. Uh, there's a lot of potential here, but I still think there are a lot of uh, rough edges to smooth out for Steven Moya. What do you think about Amino? Uh, you know, actually, I, I forgot to say one thing about my um, about uh, Yasmani Tomas that occurs to me here. I think that uh, there are plenty of guys who succeed in, in Major League Baseball with if he played discipline. Look at the guys like Trevor Story and other guys. It, John Segura, you know, there's guys who, who make contact, put the ball in play, or have enough power to overcome it. But, you know, my my first bias ever in, in baseball, fantasy baseball, was against guys um, that couldn't walk. And, uh, and you know, the David David Wright was my guy. Chipper Jones is my guy. Those are the guys I built my teams on uh, when I first started playing fantasy baseball. So, <clears throat> you know, I have a little bit of worry with Stephen Moya, Moya where he's never really paired a good walk rate and the strikeout rates are huge. And I think that's relevant to Yasmani Tomas. And it's not necessarily just because they don't take enough walks. It's because there's an underlying issue there. Yeah, it's the about, approach with it, right? Yeah. It's the recognition, the, the, the ability to make contact, all sorts of things are in there. Like, um, so I saw Yasmani Tomas, they're starting to throw him more changeups inside to righties uh, to him. He's a righty, but you know, they're, they're, they're throwing him more changeups inside in the last month and when he's tanked and uh, you know, for a guy who has a great eye and walks a lot, I think he'll catch on to that earlier. Right. He'll be like, Whoa, Whoa, what's this? You know? Uh, okay. Now I have to make a decision. Am I going to lay off those? I'm going to try and fight those off. What am I going to do there? And uh, for a guy who doesn't have that, that natural, you know, uh, innate play discipline, I think he's going to just swing away and, you know, just try to fight his way through it. And that's going to lead to, you know, the drop off in production, the, the zoom in strikeout rate, which you've seen from from Tomas. So the same thing with Moya, it's a, almost a little bit worse, though, because he's such a large human being. He's the biggest guy ever. It's the biggest strike zone. I just feel like. Uh, you know, a guy like that, for the most part, in, you know, inside is a is a weakness. Uh, just hard to get everything moving uh, to get that bat fast enough to get those inside pitches. So I think we're going to see a lot of inside pitches to Moya, and he's going to have to show. He can, and then you know, once he shows, if he does show, he's doing something about that. Then they're just going to jump to the outside, and then he's going to really have to show he can cover the plate, which he hasn't really shown in the past. So he might you know, jump out in front by, by sort of trying to whip around on everything on the inside. Cause that's their first book on him. And then we're going to see him slow down when they, they switch the book on him. So even though he started out nicely, uh, I think, um, I'm a little bit skeptical about, about this guy. Understandably. I, I wanted to Are you love him to death. Cause he's a tiger. Of course. And, and it's awesome <laughs> to watch somebody who's six, seven, 270 just go up there and, and try to rake but there's a lot of holes in his swing and again i think there's a come down even from this little little hot streak that we're seeing i'm gonna be pulling for him but my my advice to everybody is to to be careful tread very cautiously here now we talked about that rash of outfielders that went down and so you might have to be pulling the steven moya trigger in 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 leagues that you wouldn't necessarily be accustomed to say maybe a 12 teamer if you got hit by two or three of those big injuries I get it, ride the hot streak, but be careful because 
it, it, it can go quickly, right? He can, yeah, what did we say? Leonis Martinez is like a 20% owned guy. I mean, he should be out there. That, that's what I'm, so you should be able to find some guys before him, uh, before Steven Moya. Deeper leagues, I get it. AL only probably already picked up. If not, that's fine because he's probably playing. Reserve guy. I mean, last year, he was my reserve guy last year. A lot of us thought he would come up last year and make some noise because they had left field pretty much open. And that kind of tells you what happened with him last year. He got a chance. He got he got a little uh, cup of coffee, but he hit 240 with a 283 OBP in, in AAA last year, did Stephen Moya. And, and he had 162 strikeouts in 126 games. That's a 30% rate. Well, 535 plate appearances is what, is what makes it a 30% rate. But the power's there. It's enticing when it's when it's on. But I just don't know that it's going to be consistently on. So you got to be careful with Moya. A 16% strikeout rate. I mean, he's really going to have to scare the bejesus out of pitchers in order to get walks. You know, he's going to have yes. to take the Chris Davis approach. And even Chris Davis probably had better walk rates in the minors. So, um, you know, if he does scare the bejesus, and he, you know, if he he would scare the bejesus out of me if I was standing on the mound. I'm scared right now. But, <laughs> right. But, uh, and he's hitting homers. So. There's a there's a chance there, but um, yeah, I think AL only, and that, uh, that's your best bet right now. AL only D, super deep mixers oh. where he's somehow still. Oh, breaking news! Breaking news! News on the wire! News on the wire! Uh, Juan Nicasio, uh, Juan Nicasio reinstated. Adam Frazier selected from AAA. Rondon and Cole Figueroa DFA. The Pirates had a a, a grab bag. Stallings, I don't even know who Stallings is. He's option. I, I don't know him either. I know that Nicasio was on the uh, was on the the restricted list for a family issue or whatever. He's back, but now he's not going to start. Uh, he was brutal. Remember how good he was in spring training? Uh, some of us went crazy over him. I was I was pro Nicasio. I'll freely admit it. Thought he could. I thought he could be solid. You know, not the uh, the obscene There's guy that was. Hide the Homer issues or whatever. What's that? Or... The park might hide the Homer issues. Yeah, park might hide the Homer issues. Only has two pitches, but oh my gosh, you know we got some. Let's get some Searage magic. Let's get the defense working for him. Yeah, right. The only thing that's been there is the strikeouts. Homers are still popping off. One point seven. He's got a five eighty three ERA. So Nicasio's back with the major league club, and he's going into that bullpen, and maybe he can be effective there. I would not be surprised at all, especially against the rash of righties. He was really good in the Dodgers, and you can limit his exposure to lefties. And doesn't have to have to see a guy three times. So the other part of that, Adam Frazier is a little bit interesting. He's been a fringe five guy forever. Oh, for Carson? Uh, and um, a, a – oh, God, I can't remember his name. And I feel bad. There's a Pittsburgh, prospect, Pittsburgh Pirates prospect guy that I follow who um, says, you know, he doesn't love comps, but a Josh Harrison, Brock Holt vibe was too tough to avoid when discussing uh, Frazier. Nice. Yeah, well, he has some speed, although uh, 17 – Stolen bases out of 32 attempts is not great. The power has never developed, but uh, lots of contact and a decent amount of walks. So um, what would that be like? Let's see here. Let's see if we can find our... We're going to take strikeout rate, and we're going to take it on its head. Okay, uh, Billy Burns. Yeah, yeah, maybe like a Billy Burns on the infield. That's not bad. That'll, I mean, that'll work. Did, see, is he going to get that he, playing time? What, what, what's the playing time situation look like? Frazier's a lefty hitter. Lefty hitter. Oh, that's interesting because he's a lefty uh, shortstop. Uh, so let me see here. Who else? Let me do a quick comp. Uh, Joe Panic. Although Joe Panic has shown more power than you expect. Uh, Nori Aoki. 
Jose Iglesias. There you go. There's, there's something. Maybe a little bit, um, maybe takes off a little bit more than Jose Iglesias, a, little, a few more, more walks. Not as good uh, defense. So that's, that's to your other point is where does he play? But a lefty hitter on a team that, you know, also likes to push the push it with uh, platoons. Jordy Mercer is a traditional righty uh, shortstop um, who, you know, after a power outburst has sort of returned to earth. Um, and, uh, you know, in a lot more ways than one. The defense hasn't been as good this year. The power hasn't been as good this year. So there could be some sort of platoon there. Mercer, Frazier. I, I okay. would, I think I would just watch. I'd watch to see. Wait and see if sort he plays of situation. Yeah, if he plays at all. Okay. We got one more name. I talked, uh, we, we, we alluded to him earlier as well. It's Brian Dozier. And um, he's pulling out of his slump, and somebody wrote about it. I don't know. Yeah, I talked to him about it. And, you know, I, I thought he was going to tell me that he's pulling too much because he's a crazy, he leads the, the world in pull percentage. <laughs> uh, he, said, he said something that he had, he got a fix from Derek Jeter that, that did sound like he was trying to go the other way. It was just about, you know, sort of mat, uh, hit, hitting the ball further back and not not catching it out in front. And I think he was probably yanking balls foul and yanking them on the ground instead of uh, pulling balls in the air, which is which is one of the hardest and best things to do in baseball. So um, I think instead of trying to be someone totally different, he just tried to improve on what he normally does. And he's he's been like uh, hitting 300 with traditional power over the last month. I think he's good to go. He's going to continue what he's doing with a little more power going forward. He's going to be all the Brian Dozier that you're normally that you're used to. So um, I, I I don't know. I wish we'd talked about this uh, when when I talked to him because <laughs> he's now spent a month hitting 300 cents. But if you're on the fence about acquiring Brian Dozier or whatever, I wouldn't I, I wouldn't be worried about it. I think he's he's back he's to a, being his guy. Yeah, he's the guy. You know, I believe those projections, and he even could be a little bit more because last year he had a 209 ISO and. Uh, you know, 29, it could go down a little bit, but I, I think he could, um, he could, you know, hit 15 homers the rest of the way with a 250 average, steal six base. I mean, that's that's a top three, four, five. I don't even think I have to put that four, five on there. That's top three second baseman, isn't it? Going to end the season with 250, 23, uh, and 14. Yeah, if he gets to 23 and 14, that'd be lit for Dozier for sure. Let's see, we got. Altuve, Kinsler, Cano. Probably not. Probably closer to top five because you got Altuve, Kinsler, Cano, Murphy. I think the um, average would hold him back from from besting those four if they keep. I up. don't know if I'm going to do that trade anymore, but I I would uh, I you know I have looked at at Murphy's splits, and there is something a little bit about Murphy coming back to earth. I think so. I think that actually rest of season Dozier could match Murphy and maybe even. You know, in certain leagues, especially like OBP leagues, could surpass Murphy. As hard as that is to, to believe, you should look at his uh, at his at his splits. Let's see exactly what I'm talking about because I was researching this this uh, trade. If if I thought that um, if I thought that that Erodes Fiscaiano was going to close all year, I would in a second trade Dan, uh, um, Daniel Murphy for. For Dozier, for Dozier, and, yeah. Well, that, yeah, that was the part of that deal that was the problem when we talked about that. Is that Vizcaino, obviously, yeah. even before the news was a little suspect as a closer with nine saves. Now, with that news about possibly, you know, being traded, you just can't do it. And the other one he's got is Rosenthal, which you don't want that. Sungwon, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm considering it. 
it's I think that Rosenthal is more likely to close the rest of the way than Vizcaino, just because I he's not going to trade it. I agree there. So he's going to stay on his own team. Yeah, that, that that part I agree, and they've given they've shown him some some length on the leash. But I don't know, man. He's, the, he's walking like ten a game, uh, ten per nine. Not, I don't actually. I don't think it's quite that high. But it's been it's been pretty pretty ridiculous. So he used to be. He didn't used to be as much of a pull hitter. And in May he didn't he didn't pull as much. And he used to hit a lot more ground balls as Daniel Murphy. And in June he he's reverted to his old ground ball rate. So now he's pulling the ball like uh, like he's wanted to, but he's pulling on the ground, which is bad. So. I'm a little worried about Danny Murphy. I'm not going to – he's not going to go on any sort of sell list for me. But, uh, you know, pulling on the ground is not good. So when he was a ground ball hitter, Daniel Murphy, he was uh, a spray hitter. And that was good for him, right? Mm -hmm. But um, now that he's reverting to that ground ball and adding the pull, I think you could see like a slump. Plus 355 Babbitt, even for a Babbitt monster like him, is over the top. So – uh, you know, it's going to be worse going forward anyway. The projection systems are going to really pull him back to earth. And, you know, like we said, when, when, Jared, uh, when uh, I talked to JDM about, you know, how he used to have one swing, then he changed it completely, sort of what Murphy's done, and how his body kept trying to get him back to go to what he used to do, you know? So, you know, if, if Daniel Murphy's body tries to get him back to hitting ground balls again, but he's in the he's in this pull philosophy. It could get actually sort of ugly for a while. So, um, I don't. I'm not necessarily calling for that. But you know, I think Daniel Murphy is actually, even if you don't think all that's true, I think he's a decent sell high. I mean, we're talking about a guy who uh, is 31 years old, has never hit more than 14 homers, and currently has a 3.47 average and 12 homers. I think, I think even if you like, even in your traditional surface level you know, first fantasy analysis you ever did, you'd be like, that's a sell high guy. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and he's been doing it, we you know, too far up our asses with, I mean, excuse my, my language, but we can get too far up our own asses when it comes to this uh, newfangled stuff. Sometimes we, we, we talk our way. Oh no, he's launch angle. And blah, yeah, blah, sometimes blah. It's simple, right? He's not going to hit 347 with this kind of power the rest of the way, even, even with this sort of changes. But I the beauty so. of this is that we're 70 games in now. So the rest of your league, there's at least somebody in there who really buys in again, maybe not at this level, but at a level where you can sell nice and high on Daniel Murphy. And if he goes back to 280 with a 460 uh, slug the rest of the year on that guy's team, that guy's not going to say, Oh my God, I got killed on that trade. Daniel Murphy was a slug. But you're definitely probably you're definitely going to get something better in return than somebody who's hitting 280 with a 460 slug. Yeah. So I yeah, I, I like so the idea of trading Murphy. Uh, now is a good time to sell high because you're not you can actually and I don't want to say fool someone, but you can get somebody to actually pay. Whereas if you try to do it in April, a lot of people were like, okay, this is just a hot streak. Yeah, right. So I, right, I, I exactly. think you can actually do that now. Um, and, and sell high on him. But but you like so if there's another deal out there where you go Murphy for Brian Dozier plus something else, you just don't want Vizcaino, but you would do that with somebody else that you like. So see if that deal's available to you folks um, in your league, and that might be the way you work that angle. Get in, fill in another hole somewhere. Again, if you got hit by that outfield uh, crush, get an outfielder to go with Dozier, and you go Dozier, outfielder for Daniel Murphy, and you're good to go. Yeah. All right, you know, we got to bust out of here. Uh, it's about to be the weekend here pretty soon. 
Any big plans for the weekend for you for your birthday? Yeah, we're gonna go out. I'm gonna go out. I'm gonna let leave the kids. Just go party. Peace out, go kids. City. Dad's gotta go get dance. his party on. I'm gonna do a little jig. Do a little. I you know I have one dance called the Drunk Uncle. Oh my god, it's my favorite. Why didn't uh, I get pretty- to see this? Well, we didn't. Uh, the The Fangrass crew didn't go dancing. So. God, I still. You know, we, oh. we were at the meetup. They were playing music. I <laughs> could have danced for us. I mean, you did the dizzy bat race, and you, you know, you put the whole meetup together. You did your part, but I really want to see the dance now. Come on. <laughs> oh my God, we got to see that picture of me rubbing your nipples. Wait, what? <laughs> oh, that's right. That's right. <laughs> Song Song Bung King was uh, from uh, the uh, not the Harbaugh Times from um, um, what's out of the site. Beyond the Box score was there. He's taking pictures, and oh. of course he get, talked to too many people. He said he got like five pictures, but get those some pics. of the pictures are gold. Yeah, we got to get those pictures. Get those out there. We definitely got to get the ones of Eno and myself. Yeah, you, he asked to take a picture of us, a nice picture, and of course he ruined it, but in the best way possible. What are you uh, doing this weekend? Oh man, I am nerding out. In a little bit of an MLB The Show tournament, uh, I'm taking Charlotte to this place called Zilker Park to to run around. Oh, and... you got a special like doggy date happening? Yeah, so right? we're gonna be we're gonna be busting out for. I got I gotta guess. Listen, if you're gonna nerd out for like half a day to almost a full day, depending how well I do in the tournament, if you're gonna do that, you gotta mix in some outdoor with it so you feel. Good. MLB The Show tournament. What's is there a prize? Oh yeah, hundred bucks. Huh? Hundred bucks. Nice yeah. and and at like a bar or like where? No, no, it's it's uh, online. You play online. online. Oh. You just play against other people, and uh, you know I'm not going to win because I'm not that good. But uh-huh. uh, you know you never know. You get lucky. Honestly, I'm a great pitcher in the game. I will I will tout, tout my skills there. But I can't Amazing. I can't hit. That sort of mimics your fantasy. Exactly. I, but I, I cannot <laughs> hit. Like when the tournaments come, and this is like the fourth tournament I've been in, my hitting goes off the rails. I can shut down like guys who are really quality players, keep them to one, zero runs, but I don't score. And so even if they only score one or two runs, it's two to zero. And so I got to so figure like out a way 90s, to hit. The 90s Braves. It really is. And and this this one's kind of unique. They're basically doing a World Baseball Classic situation where he set up a bunch of regions that you can pick your players from. Uh, he broke up the United States into a bunch of different spots, plus all, all the other international ones. I got a, a, an American region, and it has California, Hawaii, and Alabama. So I can pick players from those states. For and, oh. and you only have to pick, uh, I think, like ten. Hey, you got California. That's pretty good. Yeah, I, I got no. I got I got a huge state. I, I got a great. I, I could. I think even the South is pretty good for for players. I think anything in the South. You know, honestly, I would have taken my my home state here of Texas. Yes, I call it my home state now. Uh, that would have been fine. Florida. You know, anything along the Southern Bay. But California was the, was the jackpot there. If, if you're not gonna get, uh, you know, I guess the Dominican Republic could have been dope. Venezuela could have been awesome. Right, but yeah. if you were gonna get international. I'm very happy with California. So yeah, I'll be nerding out on that dog park on Saturday or Sunday, the podcast obviously with Eno or with Jason. And I'm finally going to clean off my desk and, and reset it up and, oh, and God. set up better. It's, it's, a, it's a nightmare. I would not even take a picture of it. I'm way too embarrassed. Desk, right? <laughs> it's so bad right now. So yeah, just, just after a, bit, a great weekend uh, in, in New York, it was an amazing trip that we had. After that, this is more of a chill weekend for me, so I'm pretty excited to just kind of relax, hang out with Char, and uh, and dominate. 
Yeah. I'll be yeah. back in two days talking with uh, with Jason. Then you and I will be back next Wednesday. Eno, have a great birthday weekend. I'll talk to you later. Yes, thanks for listening. <laughs>